below and above. Andrew, how are you? Good to see you, Dr. Mick. I love that intro taken from Blazing Saddles and what a funny Mel Brooks movie that was. I've gone through a bit of a Mel Brooks uh, renaissance recently <laughs> and I did um, Young Frankenstein and I was most excited to see last week pop up on uh, Foxtel High Anxiety. I don't know if you ever... It's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's not as one of his popular ones, but geez, mate, it's one of my favourite films of all time. I haven't seen that one, but it's a nice segue into what we're going to talk about today when we're talking about tired and anxiety. Can you introduce the topic that we are going to talk about today? Mate, more than happy to do so. And today's about um, this, something that you and I see every week. Uh, all you know in commonly with our our patients we see a thing called what's commonly known as adrenal fatigue and subjectively it seems after you doing some homework and me doing some homework that adrenal fatigue is not as simple as just your adrenal glands getting exhausted right no because what happens in one system of the body affects other systems in the body as well because the human body is an organism with its own environment and i think people are starting to recognize that or i should say our listeners because people being researchers scientists chiropractors even doctors out there certainly recognize this a lot more these days so mate do you want to um We'll start at the start and just talk about what the hell it is. Eh? Yeah, what, I, what, what, what did you come up with? Because we both did some separate homework and we're going to compare some notes today, right? So what we thought we'd go... Maybe we should do a bit of an intro and what we'd like to talk about today is what the hell is then adrenal fatigue? Um, how does it present? And yeah, uh, what, what are some of the signs and symptoms that we commonly see or some of the listeners out there will definitely recognize amongst themselves or friends and family members as well yep and uh there's it turns out that there's um uh, from what i found is there's different stages of it so you can feel different in different um the symptoms will present differently where you are on the spectrum of adrenal Mm -hmm. fatigue if it's short term or longer term yeah yeah and What, what are the causes of that yep yep um, and what would happen if it was left untreated and what would happen if you got treatment and yeah. how, what, and how what would you fix it? What can we do about it? Yeah. Exactly. What can we do about it? Because that's the whole point of bringing this up. So, mate, what did you come up with as to what the hell is it? Like, where did you arrive at that? Um, well, certainly uh, adrenal fatigue. I'll just quickly browse over my notes here. Adrenal fatigue or exhaustion is a relatively new term in the medical vocabulary Uh, and typically there's two conditions which uh, your GP or doctor will know about or have heard of and one is Addison's disease and that's an autoimmune disorder for decreased adrenal function and Cushing's disease which is adrenal function which is far too high but they're the diseased state, the more severe state of adrenal function. So typically what we're talking about today is the subclinical level of affairs. So it hasn't got to that stage of autoimmune disease yet. 
Um, would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, mate. I, look, I, I think I looked at that too, and I think they came up with um, what, and I didn't take notes on that, but I did read about that. And that's the. It, it seems that there is com- some controversy in medicine of whether with some doctors they believe that adrenal fatigue is actually a medical condition, uh, that they're willing to accept that once it gets to the point of complete annihilation, mm. they'll call it a disease. Mm. But, pro- but before that, they're saying, well, everyone gets a bit stressed from time to time. Is, you know, th- that's just normal. So if you don't have a disease, you don't have... There's nothing wrong with nothing you. Nothing we can do. Yeah, exactly. But some doctors don't agree with that. And you know, and I'll, uh, Some great. doctors do believe in... Uh, so it's even dividing the medical fraternity. And you know? I reckon you'll find, Mick, that you'll find that the older school ones will be the old school thought waiting for something to become so diseased and it shows up in a test and then, oh, it showed up in a test we can give you something for the test results. And probably the newest school of thought saying, we know your body's not working as well as it should. We don't have these sort of tests yet, uh, but we can do things to improve the health of your body. And, and pretty much that comes down to your paradigm of your doctor again, of as you say, let's wait till it's completely broken and then give you a drug to supplement or we can see that things aren't working well, we need to get on top of it now until it gets worse. And I, I want to bring in there, just jump in as well. Um, we're talking about doctors here because that's the most common experience people usually have. But chiropractors and naturopaths and other health practitioners will all be looking, because we certainly see this in our clinics, uh, and, and I know my naturopath, she sees it a lot as well. So we will all be looking at, along that health spectrum to see how the body's dysfunctioning and not working as well as it should and what we can do to get you healthier. Yeah, and and rather than waiting till the, you know, the, the, the wheels have fallen off the cart, recognising that we need to support the body as much as we can uh, to make people feel better rather than going into a disease process. Mate, one, I spoke with a, a, a couple of people uh, this week. I spoke to a senior guy at a company called Metagenics about it. And he was an interesting guy. I often get, I call them and have a chat with him if I'm, I'm uh, after some information, you know. And he said, you know, we had a very good conversation. He said that we shouldn't be calling it adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that that really is um, a little bit misleading because it's more to do with the fact that stuff we've spoken about before in our earlier podcast, that if you get the wrong type of stressors going into your body, it stimulates parts of your brain. Okay. What kind of stressors? Well, stuff we've spoken about before in the past has been things like mental stress. So Mm -hmm. obviously we've spoken about the fright or flight response. Mm -hmm. I think those are thrills there. Um, but you know uh, an ambulance going past someone yelling at you the physical stresses being at work chronically in bad postures the nutritional stresses and the biggest one we see is caffeine drinks and caffeine type products that are over consumed all these things stimulate a part of your brain called the hypothalamus Mm -hmm. this hypothalamus has a close relationship with a little gland it's right next to it and funny enough it's right above your hard palate Mm -hmm. you know and it's called the pituitary gland. It has a direct action on a gland called the pituitary gland. 
when, when and they release little hormones, right? Mm. So you stimulate the hypothalamus. Are they really important parts of the brain vital for hormone use and activation in the body? Yes. So I actually looked up that a bit of, you know, what does, you know, what, what, do, what is the hypothalamus responsible for and what does mm. pituitary do? And there's so many, it's common, it's, it, it's pretty much tied into every system in your body, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So ranging, ranging from, you know, uh, horm- like your hormones, your testosterone, your estrogens, mm. you know, to your digestion, to your mm. respiration, you know everything that that is uh, really important as far as your Just body being alive. being alive. It's tied into this little gland, this little this little area. Mm. The thing is that the horn, the, this part of your brain gets stimulated. It releases a little trigger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, a little hormone called CRH, which goes to the pituitary. The pituitary then releases another little hormone called ACTH, and that nothing, part, nothing to do with Canberra. The AC, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, not the Raiders either, and and then then it goes to your adrenals, and then the adrenals pump out two things, and that is adrenaline and cortisol, cortisol. right? Yeah, what is cortisol? Well, the, the, I'm going to refer to my notes a little bit on this because I did write some stuff down, and I've got to just go through. Well, it's commonly you. known as the stress hormone. Yeah, well, funny enough that adrenaline, I mean, if, if, if you release adrenaline into your system, and I haven't got my notes in front of me yet, but from what I know, it's a vasodilator and a heart rate increaser. Mm. So it has an effect on your heart. Mm. So these are good things to happen for short periods. It's part of the survival mechanism. We need it in times of sudden action, but it's not good to be getting chronically released on a daily basis over a long period of time. Yes. And cortisol, what what it actually does, and one of the interesting parts I found about cortisol uh, was that it, it actually increases availability of glucose in your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So that facilitates your need to you know, run or move mm-hmm. or go. Um, and also when cortisol is released to get that glucose into your bloodstream, it suppresses other parts of your body, including your immune system. So your immune system takes a hit in order for that cortisol to be released through your system. And so as you can imagine, if you've got more sugar in your system, more glucose, if you've got a greater heart rate, if you've got increasing blood pressure, everything's ready to go. Everything's ready to move. Yeah, so I've got it converts a number of different hormones in the body, increases blood sugar, aids metabolism, and cortisol is the primary hormone that thyroxin is derived derived from. And that's what we usually see in under-functioning thyroid problems or hypothyroidism. And especially for women out there, how common is it to see hypothyroidism or another one that I hear almost every week, 
Hashimoto's disease. Yeah, that's that seems to that, and that ties in. And funny enough, the guy from Metagenics said, "Mate, you just don't get a fe- adrenals affected without thyroid function as mm, well." Exactly. They're yeah. Very closely linked. And he said, "Mate, so it's not really. You can't really call it, you know, adrenal disease. You've got to call it this whole." relationship between the brain the adrenals and the thyroid mm. but then there's these knock-on effects over time so yeah uh, so there's one other really important thing with the whole cortisol release and that is it affects cholesterol and how many people out there are on cholesterol meds these days for cholesterol levels so cholesterol is actually really important ingredient in hormone production so uh Cholesterol is also super important for brain function too, Absolutely. Right? It's one of the primary ingredients ingredients in brain metabolism. Yeah. So, and people who are on, I mean, the, I don't know the results of these studies, mate, but I know there was some link that some that there was concern that people on cholesterol medications were being affected with cognitive function, brain function later in life. Yeah, so yeah. there is research coming out on that. Yeah. You can Google that one, um, but there is, uh, that is one of the uh, identified side effects of statins or, or cholesterol meds. So your adrenals respond, your cortisol levels go up, stress hormone, cortisol becomes a priority, your body uses up cholesterol. And then, I don't know if you read about this, the cortisol steel pathway. So as cortisol goes up, other hormones suffer they go down so other normal functioning hormones of the body decrease because cholesterol's unavailable and the adrenal fatigue is is when your body stays in this state for some time and then the cortisol levels drop dramatically and then i was reading about that's the adrenal exhaustion phase so no system in the body works in isolation and that has flow-on effects to other body functions. So, mate, what I found, I found a couple of um, you know uh, papers that spoke about studies, and one of them that was really interesting was this HPA axis, or you know the, the, the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the adrenal axis. Yeah. It's called the HPA axis, and the studies that have been done on prenatal stress and early life stress. Mm. And they, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And they found that um, in prenatal stress, so if you're carrying, if you're uh, some of these stresses and you're exposed to them prenatally, um, it can be shown to cause a hyperactive stress response in this system. Uh, and that can manifest in humans. Prolonged maternal stress during gestation is associated with mild impairment of intellectual activity and language development in their children. And with behaviour disorders such as attention deficit, schizophrenia, anxiety and depression, um, and self-reported maternal stress is associated with a higher irritability, emotional and attentional problems. So hang on a sec, this is pretty huge. What you're saying is for mums-to-be, when you're pregnant, if you are suffering from this adrenal situation that's having having an effect on the growing fetus and can lead to health problems uh, in the bulb and later in life. Yes, and there is um, 
the, and it's more about how this system works. So there's gr- growing, there's, there's overwhelming evidence to support mm. this now. And when children who are stressed prenatally have showed altered cortisol rhythms, and that knocks out, um, not only sort of leaves you to potentially some mental health issues and some concentration issues, but learning problems, um, learning as well. difficulties, yes, yeah. and it, even in early life stress, they've measured it as well, and and they've found that in one experiment has shown that even in the absence of any environmental stresses, early life exposure exposure to moderate levels of corticosterone was associated with stress resilience in in adult rats where as exposure to high doses was associated with stress vulnerability. I'm going to decode that a bit, right? Yeah, keep decode yeah. that for me. Yeah. Um, basically, not only does it have, in, in, in prenatally it can have an effect, but it's, it physiologically can have effects on the way they grow um, in, early, in early life as well. And look, we're seeing, I don't know about you, mate, um, and there's... There's some certainly, there's, look, I actually could recite, there's about four or five other papers here that I'm not going to go into. Um, but basically what we're trying to say is the knock-on effect of this system being overloaded, which in our kids, unfortunately, it, it is happening. Um, and, and the reasons why it's multifactorial, and we will try to get there um, over the next you know, course of this podcast. But I will say that the exposure to this in early life it's not just something that goes away it's not something it can set a child up for an impairment of their mental and physical well-being for the rest of their lives unless the the causes of it are addressed and treated accordingly now it seems as if if I, if I think about my own life and I think about my children and some of these stresses that they may be exposed to... Yeah, what like? Well, firstly, uh, diet plays a huge factor with children. Yeah, absolutely. So I think... And the gut, because the gut, we were talking before we went to air, uh, the link with gut and gut health as well to uh, adrenal and hypothalamic function. Yes. So it seems that to, to, to be healthy, um, uh, from what we know about it, and we'll get to this more later on too, but the diet is huge because if they're not eating the foods that they need to eat or they're eating high sugar, high salt or any caffeine, it's causing the system to turn on. So that's the concern. And we should say high sugar. Uh, it's not saying, well, they only have a couple of packets of sweets a day. Anything in a plastic bag or packaging is bad for health. Invariably, it's going to contain some sugar. Yeah. yeah. So, so artificial colours, um, artificial flavours. Unless it's a flavors. piece of fruit. <laughs> unless you know. it's a piece of fruit in a plastic bag. Yeah. So. so, mate, it seems as if nutritional stress, we've spoken about physical stress ad nauseum, yeah. of sitting in one place for a long period of time, yeah. in front of a computer, in front of computer games... Uh, you know, the birth process. So uh, there's a couple of points there. Sorry, just to jump in with the computer games. One, we've talked about the postural side. We can talk a bit more about posture again shortly to touch on. But also, when we're talking about adrenal hypothalamic axis, the 
release in the brain that kids get from playing the computer games is a massive dopamine or adrenaline release. So there's the double whammy. There's the postural side, and if they're playing a lot of it, they are depleting these levels in their body from playing the games too much. Yes, so it's like um, a fix, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's like a fix, and so it's an addiction, like any other addiction. Yeah. And that when what do addictions do? They cause hormone changes to the brain. You yeah. know, uh, so it doesn't matter whether it's a, a computer game or it's a. Uh, you know, for adults, we can take take your choice of, of weapon there on addictions. Gosh, I was having a, I had a chat to a patient this week about that, and he's a successful guy, and his business has just reached a uh, crescendo. Mm. Really lovely guy, and I said, mate, it's funny that because you know you've been incredibly successful, but you're finding it hard to move through that next part of your your business, and he he said, yeah, I can't work out what my roadblocks are in being successful. And I, I, straight away it dawned on me with him, and he's a really uh, uh, interesting guy, but he, he, is, uh, he has got a few addictions going on, all right? And I said, mate, have you ever thought of, of maybe having a look at them? Because from what I know about the effect on not only the neurochemistry, but um, it, it affects that, that thing called flow state. And you and I speak about flow state because... Mm flow is an, another interesting concept it, it means that when you're you can be on your own and you can be playing guitar or something and things just happen naturally but mm. everything works together and you feel a sense of purpose and you feel a sense that everything's coming together mm. or you and i last week we really enjoyed our podcast just, you're relaxed week, but, but you're firing at the same time and it doesn't seem like it takes any effort yes yes or you're you're in the zone is another way of describing it. And apparently what I've read about it and, and different material that I've, I've even seen on, on films is that addictions can harm that um, flow state. So it can mm. keep you out of it. And um, I saw a great movie about that many years ago. I don't know if you've heard of it called What the Bleep Do We Know? Did you ever see that? Yeah, I did see that years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it was an interesting film. Um, I spoke about it. I'd recommend it to anyone to check out. It's 10 years old now. Mm. And the storyline itself is hit and miss. But the content was excellent because they had leaders in science and they had leaders in spirituality mm. coming together. And you know what? Apparently with physics now, quantum physics, they're starting to align these two fields together. Because, because for, on a quantum level... We don't know what's going on, like what we thought, that hence the title of the movie, what the hell do we really know what's going on like we do? The, the reality is, is that what's happening on a quantum level is far different. It's not as me- mechanistic. It's not simply, you know, as simple as what we thought was going on as far as a quantum level, especially interactions between humans. So, yeah, that's an interesting point, something which... Uh is happening in our profession as we speak. Well, I would hope that, yeah, you and I and, and um, many other wonderful chiropractors out there who believe that there is a purpose beyond just giving someone a mechanical release of an adjustment mm. is um, certainly their um, one of their missions in life, I hope, you know? I, I certainly feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, mate, look, that, that covers a little bit of the science of it. Do you have anything you want to add to the science to that? Uh, no, gee whiz, I think we covered that and you, uh, it was your turn to come up with some research studies today. I'm glad I handed over the baton for that one. So, mate, what I did, what I did find on one of my little 
missions was that there was actually four stages to this stuff, and you said there were three stages in the book that you read. So, look, could be three, could be four. Yeah, it depends yeah. who you speak to, but we do know that there are different phases. Yeah, and basically, I'd like to talk about quickly the each of the four stages, mm-hmm. and please stop me, mate, like if there's something that you think's relevant, because mm. I want to keep it as basic for anyone listening as we can, and... So stage one, they call it the alarm phase. Yeah. And that's the body's immediate reaction. Um, and during this first phase, you get lab tests have shown during this stage, you get elevated levels of adrenaline, which we've spoken about. And adrenaline increases heart rate, dilates the pupils, cause sweat and saliva. Um, you get increased noradrenaline. And I'll talk about what noradrenaline does. You get increased cortisol, you get a release of DHEA and insulin, right? And it should be pointed out that hormonal changes take place as soon as you experience stress. And once again, we're not just talking about the stress from sitting in traffic, although that's a good one if you live in Sydney. Um, it's any kind of stressor to your body or mind and what i found interesting about these four these stages buddy is that these hormones change depending upon which stage Mm. that you're in right so so alarm stage is first one so and pretty much everything turns on right so i'll just run through the list quickly um so adrenaline we're talking about noradrenaline right and that that causes muscle contraction and increased blood pressure and a widening of the air passages right so Mm. air passages open up Cortisol, we know that we spoke about that does blood sugar, suppresses immune system. But oh, you know, do you know what that also does? It decreases bone formation. Mm. Right? Uh, interesting enough. Interesting. Yeah. So then you get DHEA, right? Which is a long word. I'm not going to say that. But no, no, it's a, a guy thing with testosterone. Exactly right, and it's a production of androgens and estrogens. So, I, I sh- sorry, I shouldn't say it's just a guy thing. It affects men and women, but typically we talk about that with men. Well, it's a precursor to... Um, an androgen is a precursor to estrogen, right? Mm-hmm. So testosterone would be an androgen. Yeah. And that's why women who have high estrogen function... Mm-hmm. Uh, I've often r- recommended them to take maca because maca is high in testosterone, which helps balance it out. Mm. But as we know, we live in a society that is estrogenic dominant, right? And is that because there's too much of this DHEA floating about all the time as well, right? Or, yeah, that's an interesting one. Because uh, what I've uh, uh, studied in, in seminars and talking to other chiropractors and practitioners, it's, it's an estrogen dominant so you can you get an imbalance so whether the estrogen levels are just too high or whether it's the other factors involved in this cycle drop the estrogen becomes dominant in yeah the and that's something we're seeing every day and can yeah. i tell you of the patients that you and i saw this week we would see guys with low testosterone mm. and we'd see women with too much estrogen and fertility, can I tell you, is on the wane in our society. Yeah. So this is very relevant to every young woman yeah. and, and every man wanting to have a baby yeah, one day kids. as well. Yeah. yeah. And the last thing on the list is insulin, mate. And insulin, when it's released, it helps control the metabolism. So it, you know, it regulates how the body uses and stores glucose and fat. And so once again, if this cortisol... If this 
system is turned on too much, your stress system, it causes you to become a thing called insulin resistant. Resistor. Right? Insulin resistance means you get fat and you can't lose weight. Mm. Right? And it's a common thing in exercise. I diet, I can't lose weight. I exercise, um, I can't lose yeah, weight. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly right. That's why I hear I've been dieting for months. It just doesn't seem to shift. I've increased my exercise. It just doesn't seem to work. And people want to give up. So, you know, stress, stre- it seems that, you know, the, the common notion of stress mm. is causing some of this stuff, mm. right? So if you're stressed out, there's now scientific validation that it affects you hormonally in a way where you will not lose weight. Mm. So it's not just a diet thing. It's not just a... Uh, lack of exercise. Lack of exercise. It, you know, the way these hormones are playing out in your body. And as you know, we already spoke that it affects your thyroid. That's another way that you can't that affects your metabolism, mm-hmm. so you can't lose weight. So look, this is pretty huge for anyone wanting to lose weight as well, mm-hmm. that the, they, they get this system back into... Balance. Uh, balance, yep. So, um, so after the, um, they call stage one the alarm phase, stage two is continuing it, but what's interesting about this stage is that the DHEA, right, and the other sex hormones may start to drop. Mm. And this is because the resources needed to produce the sex hormones are diverted to the production of stress hormones, hormones like cortisol. So to keep the cortisol up, the sex hormones take a hit. So that's where that comes in. Yeah, and uh, anyone out there who has been tired, been anxious, been stressed out for a period of time, your libido goes through the floor. I think we've all, most of us, hey, hey, come on, experienced start. that <laughs> <laughs> at one time or another throughout our lives. Yeah, oh, for sure. And in this stage, they call it wired but tired. So you're tired, um, and in the first stage you get intermittent tiredness, um, and most of us go in and out of that stage one at some stage of our lives, you know. But stage two, you're getting to that sort of. So is this the stage where it sounds like you're exercising to try and work better, and then you're tired, but you can't get to sleep? Yep, and you get a reliance on coffee mm. to keep you in that buzzy state. Yep. So when we start to get to stage three now, we're starting to get to that sort of more serious phase, and that's the resistance phase. And that your body keeps stressing, you know, keep producing the stress hormones at the expense of the sex hormones. Um, that means you get more substantial drops in testosterone and DHEA and all these other ones I spoke about. Um, but the key here is a hormone named pregnenolone. Mm. Right, and I'm glad you pronounced that. I, I don't even know if I got it right, which is the precursor to, to both sex hormones and cortisol. So, basically, at this point, the individual is still able to function, but what happens with this hormone? This diversion is named the pregnenolone steal. It sounds a bit bizarre, doesn't it? Mm. Let Let me explain that more more specifically. Um, you experience low levels of many important hormones and this can make a significant difference to the quality of life. So typical symptoms might include regular tiredness, lack of enthusiasm, regular infections and a lower sex drive. And this comes after several months of or even years of phase two, right? Mm. And then finally, 
we uh, get the burnout phase, right? Which is the body simply runs out of ways to manufacture stress hormones. So you just can't produce any of these stress hormones anymore and the cortisol begins to drop. And now the levels of the sex hormones and the stress hormones are low, right? So in stage, stage, stage three, they drop with the sex hormones, the cortisol's still up a bit, but stage four, everything's on the way out and levels of your neurotransmitters in your brain are low. Uh, this is what called a burnout, and this is what happens when we crash after a long period of coping with stress. Where people will say, oh, I don't know what happened at work, too, you, you see it where I threw all this stress, and then finally the stress ended up, so, and I got sick, you know? And during this final stage of adrenal fatigue, you can suffer from extreme tiredness, lack of sex drive, irritability, depression, anxiety, weight loss, apathy, disinterest in the world around you, and global hormonal insufficiency. Um, and if you get to this stage, it requires time, patience, and the proper treatment to get you out of it. Yeah, I want to read out some more signs and symptoms because essentially it's just about start thinking of anything where your body starts, starts working properly. Um, so obviously the fatigue and the mood swings and depression can come in. Stiff and aching joints, digestive issues resulting in constipation, diarrhea, flatulence, nausea, cramping in the tummy, food sensitivities, you talked about glucose, hypoglycemia, headaches and sinus congestion. Frequency. Based on the immune system again, I would presume. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, things like sores in the mouth and hair loss. Leprosy, it sounds. <laughs> Autoimmune condition. Yeah. Um, consistently swollen lymph glands, uh, irregular menstruation, menstrual issues for women, and brain fog, concentration and memory issues. And when you're thinking of diet, you get salt cravings or sugar sweet snack cravings because you need to hit your body with glucose. Uh, an increased thirst. And this impacts uh, on heart and your cardiovascular system and you already talked about impacts on sex drive as well yeah and so the big ones for us um, you covered a lot there so it sounds like stress causes everything right but in fact the the science is now saying that it does right so it has a role in everything so it has a role in everything going downhill whatever kind of stress we so we should point out um, stress once again it's the physical stressors it's the emotional stressors and it's the chemical stressors and by that we mean anything that goes in your mouth which isn't compatible with your body working healthily cause adrenal response in this cycle that we've talked about and that leads us on to the sort of the fourth part of what we're talking about and that is what are the treatments that you can do uh, I certainly, I, I spoke to... Um, oh, just before yeah. we get to that, Mick, so yeah, mate, when right. we're talking about all of these chemicals and hormones, are there tests which can help identify this? Because you, you were talking to people about this, right? Can I tell you, my research is that the tests are very unreliable. Yeah, is that right? Can you, because so, I was reading, I thought you could do a salivary test. You can do saliva yeah. and you can do urine. But both mm. of them are actually uh, a, a, a little bit unreliable, according to the people that I read. I read, I read, I read three different. Um, okay, so what I did was check out two, 
two people uh, two people were selling the tests mm. and they're making out that it can be uh, yeah a very good guide to how you if you're measuring cortisol in the mm. morning for instance okay mm. and you're showing and you have to do it over seven days yeah, and do a okay. saliva test yeah right and it pretty much it you can't do it over one day it has to be done over a, a, a longer period, period of, time. of time yeah okay. yeah and it has to have if you show how do you compare what is a normal level of cortisone if you're taking the test as compared or you know or adrenaline as compared to what is not normal especially especially if you've been into a compromised state for a very long period of time so most people don't go to do the test until they're already maxed out anyway you know it can be a guide on which which stage you might be in Mm -hmm. right but most i think the one thing that i took out of it was that the the, the tests out of it are not completely reliable. Mm. And what I, after speaking to the guy at Metagenics, there's a questionnaire that you can do. Mm. And by filling out this really thorough questionnaire, it can tell you more accurately where you are based on your history. That's interesting. I'm going to get hold of that questionnaire, actually. You were telling me about it before, so I'm really keen to have a look at that so I can utilise it with people. Uh, what about one other thing? Because I'm going to go and get this tested myself because I'm curious to see doing blood tests for the sex hormone levels. Yeah. T- testosterone. Well, that would be a sign. If you're low on mm. testosterone, it's a sign that, you know, it, if, if once again, if your symptoms are related to... I mean, most of us can be honest with ourselves if we've been under stress mm. and how much stress we've been under. Mm. And if you think you've been under any amount of stress for any length of time and you have low testosterone, mm. it would make sense that there is some adrenal fatigue there, right? Yeah. And for men and for women. Mm-hmm. And for women, it might be estrogen dominance rather mm-hmm. than... And estrogen dominance, that as you know, that manifests in... Um, weight gain but it also manifests in period issues you know and and menstrual cycle issues painful periods it can also manifest in in headaches very commonly headaches Mm. uh, estrogen dominance so uh you know i think if you're getting some of these more common symptoms and if you fill out this questionnaire Mm. which we can get to anyone who's Mm. interested once you go through the questionnaire you can find out maybe if you are adrenaline fatigue because if you only treat the testosterone you're not getting to the cause of the problem. Mm. So what you're saying is there are some tests which you can do, but they're only indicators, and really you need to have a look at the big picture of what's happening, which, is, which isn't that difficult for someone who knows what they're talking about. Absolutely. And so the, the problem with treating this stuff in segments, mm. which is what you do, most, not all doctors, what some doctors would do is say, oh, you've got depression, have an antidepressant. Mm. You have got low testosterone, need to take testosterone. Mm. Rather than looking at the big picture of how you can make it work as a team and your Mm. body to work for you, rather than boost one system often at the expense of another. Mm. And so chatting to these guys was really interesting because they had, uh, look, they've got several products. Um, but I know you spoke about one herb, and I asked them about that, mate, um, a herb called withania. Yes. And, and that, now, I don't know, from what I know, you can look this up, withania, W-I-T-H-A-N-I-A, but you can only get that through, for example, a naturopath prescription. Yes, you probably could. 
Um, well, that's the actual, um, for example, I've got a bottle of it at home because I'm someone who gets wound up and excited. So I take that in the herbal liquid form. Well, did you know that Metagenics have it in a product called Adrenotone? Okay, I didn't know that. Either did I. So that's the main one of their main ingredients of a thing we, called Adrenotone. We should point out this is not an advertisement for Metagenics. Yeah, not at all. Uh, uh, there are other companies, but they are uh, someone that we do talk to. They provide more support to uh, chiropractors yeah, yeah. Than, than others. Uh, they've got... Uh, there's some... Some products, things like Neurocalm, which can give you a short-term, um, you know, calming. The thing is about Neurocalm, and I've used Neurocalm a lot in my practice in the past, um, it's like a uh, calming effect on the nervous system. So mm. it calms down that axis that we're talking about, but it's non-sedative. Mm. So you can operate machinery. Calming, not sedative. Mm. Okay, so it's just going to take that, calm that whole system down a bit. So once again, it helps balance things. Balance. Yeah. With ania, as you spoke to me about the other day, with ania, it doesn't matter if your adrenals mm. are pumping out, or if they're insufficient or they're overactive. With ania, is a regulator. Mm. Exactly. So it doesn't matter whether you're up or you're down. It helps balance adrenal function um they also said there's a couple of you know different products that they use one of them is called adaptogen mm. which is used for brain fog for when you overload your mind you know it's like if you're doing exams and you've been studying too mm. hard it's really good for that the things that they've got in that um and there's this other product they've called Brahmatone, which is uh for uh, more the dementia type patients as well, you know, uh, for that, yeah, yep. And uh, obviously they believe in supporting the thyroid gland as well, but I'll tell you what was really interesting that I took out of it, um, that if you've been under adrenal fatigue for some time, um, that, you know, they realize too that 99% of the population is low in magnesium, right? I was just about to say, what about magnesium? Because, um, and I asked him about that, and he said when you're stressed, why, I said, why are we so low in magnesium, mm-hmm. right? Because is a magnesium, it's commonly known as something you use for people with cramping and tight muscles. To- totally. But it seems that... When we're stressed, we lose it in the urine, mm, and it's lost a lot in urine when under when this adrenal fatigue thing's going on. You tend to uh, you pee it out more. Yeah. Um, but the reason why they think that, that that they've done tests on humans and they know that nearly all of us are low in it. Mm. So it's really important for cell function and ATP, yes, yes. which is what we use for energy. Yep, and synapse function, you know, that the way, elect, uh, you know, nerves so nerve fire. signaling. Yeah. yeah, so it affects the way the synapse works. And it also, yeah, it has those muscular effects to help us loosen our muscles, mm. but it's also a beta blocker for the heart issue, right? Mm. So that we spoke about the effects on the heart with cortisol and adrenaline. Yeah. So yeah. it can help counterbalance that. Um, so magnesium's a... Um, it's a, a must. A, yep. It's really important. And do you know what? You can, you can get magnesium from chemists these days. Obviously, we've talked about one company and, and there's a few different companies I deal with to get 
a quality product and what's the difference between that some of the over-counter stuff you put it in your mouth you pee it out or you poo it out the other end and your body hasn't absorbed it so um so these practitioner strength uh products uh, have better bioavailability so your body absorbs them better you, but you get more use out of it so you beat me to it and, and that when you're saying I was thinking you know what does bioavailability mean right and mm. and that's what you pay for when you pay for an expensive supplement right yep. as compared to a cheap supplement you got a chemist warehouse yeah uh, I'll say this or, or any other chemist yeah. <laughs> any chemist that sells things in, in bulk in, at yeah. a lesser price right yeah and uh, if you go down there and you get the stuff on special, the thing is it might have magnesium in it, mm. but it's not made in such a way that when you take it, it actually gets absorbed Readily into your absorbed. body. Yeah, because yeah. it's more expensive to make stuff that is higher quality ingredients mm. that then goes through into your bloodstream. Mm. It's, harder, it's harder to get in there. So as you say, it's much, sometimes it's easier to... to people to they're sold a lie basically in that they're taking something because it says it's got one thing in it yeah but it's not actually <clears throat> absorbed into your body so you do need to or it is recommended that you do have a look at exactly what kind of a quality product you're purchasing so, so that, and, and on that note yeah. talking about taking stuff and absorbing it uh, we've also mentioned how this uh the hypothalamic adreno axis uh affects gut function because if, you, if you're in this chronic stressed out mode your digestion doesn't tend to work well um so that's also an important factor in in getting you healthy again that's support and heal the gut it's good to do an igg blood test there you can adjust your diet and you can take things like bone and broth which help restore bacteria to the digestive system and a quality probiotic. Well, mate, you beat me to it. And this is, once again, you beat me to the punch. We're on the same wavelength here today. i, t- I tell you what my experience in this stuff yeah, is, though. I've, um, I've gone away from probiotics like I used to. And I used mm. to use probiotics a lot. Mm. I took them myself and yeah. I recommended them a lot. Yeah, I take them. So, yeah, please do. I've gone away from it because I think with probiotics... My belief now is coming back to a thing called prebiotics, not probiotics. So mm-hmm. a prebiotic is something that you take that makes your own good bacteria uh, flourish multiply. and yeah. multiply and grow more productively. Because <clears throat> when we, if you think about our good bacteria, there are many good bacteria in our body, not mm-hmm. just acidophilus, Bactericides and the other one, you know. Um, But they're the three that's always in the good supplements, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is, if you think of any little chemical equation, if you're just boosting those three all the time with Mm. a pro, pro, what's going to happen to those other 10, 12, 15 that are the good bacteria? Are they flourishing? No, because the good bacteria that you're taking of those three common strains are taking over the dominance they're over dominating those other good bacteria so my my i looked into it a bit recently and i've looked into things like well what how do you get a good prebiotic what what is a prebiotic and how Mm. do we get into it because i started taking prebiotics and i felt way better Mm. and it was um it's all the fermented stuff right yeah such as 
or Kefi. Have yeah. you heard of that? Eight dollars yeah. on eBay, people. It yeah. gives you instructions on how to do it. Fantastic, kombucha. Yeah, that's. I see that in the local supermarket. That's actually pretty nice. Kombucha, kombucha. I think. It is. Oh yeah, that's my Aussie slang version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, that's the, the southern pronunciation. <laughs> I'll give you the inner western pronunciation. Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, then there's anything sort of tempe. That's another one. Yeah, not Tempe train station. <laughs> that was an Italian that's, version. No, of that's, that. I think that's yeah. another. It's a soy fermented soy product. Yeah, miso soup. Miso soup at the yeah. Japanese restaurant. Oh, um, I love miso. Soup. I love miso too. Yeah, it's, uh, it, once again, it has that intangible feeling that when you drink it, you know you're doing something good for yourself, right? I, I really believe that about miso. I get that. Oh, I feel good after having it. Um, and anything pickled as well, so that pickle fermenting. That's why mm. is, is I'm not a big fan of the pickled stuff myself. Yeah. Or the, what about because um, yeah, and funny enough, what have we spoken about there? What cultures have we spoken about? Eastern cultures, mate. How interesting is that, yeah. right? And so nearly all of these cultures knew many years ago that this part of the food was really for the digestive system yeah so what's happened though we've lost it all with our westernized way of doing things i wonder about us process package and profit yeah true what happened about our our anglo-saxons i wonder how we would have got that back in the day i wonder what they did back then uh i'm pretty sure they just hacked some mammals in the forest and (laughs) ate it as soon as they could Oh, we'll go back to the potato famine days in my Irish, yeah, my Irish heritage. Uh, yeah. So look, we've look, we've covered a bit of of the diet and yep. a bit of and look, I believe gluten and dairy um, is take too much gluten, too much dairy, it can cause problems with the gut linings as well. So Absolutely. yeah, over a long period of time, it's just eating too much of it um, and cause an immune response. Yeah. Um, but we've covered that. But if we look at other ways we can help balance this whole thing out. Obviously, we're going to leave Cairo to last. Okay. Um, acupuncture, I believe, plays a really. It mm-hmm. can be really helpful with that. Um, and the other thing that I find, besides herbs, uh, and bes- the airway. So if you've got airway obstruction anyway, if you breathe through your mouth, it can lead to this cortisol being turned on. Mm-hmm. Right. So mouth breathing, mm-hmm. a really important one, um, because nose breathing and uh, 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 anyone with sleep apnea issues. Yeah, or anyone with so- chronic sinus. Yeah. Sinusitis can turn the system on, you know. So if they're mouth breathing, they're raising cortisol because of too much oxygen. Mm. So once again, there you go. Um, but I did want to talk about, before we get to Cairo, um, exercise, right? Yes. Because in the first two phases we mm. spoke about, you can exercise vigorously. And that helps. And that helps because right. it burns up the extra cortisol. Yep. But when you get to stage three and four, you'll make yourself worse because mm. your immune system is so run down. Right. So you're depleting, you're exhausting yourself more. And that's why people, when they're in this third and fourth stage, when they exercise hard, they get chronic fatigue type symptoms. So, so what do you suggest? So when you when you initially, if you love exercising hard and a way of coping with stress, exercise hard. Yeah. If it's been going on for months or years, you've got it. Can only exercise light, like gentle walking or swimming. You know. Yeah, I've on my notes uh, modify exercise to include stretching, stretching, and yes. toning, 
rather than exercises that cause wind up in the upper back and chest. Yeah, that's interesting. And yoga is obviously a good one for that as well. Um, I think yoga more than Pilates. Yoga, Tai Chi. Yeah. Eastern again, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe all these, the Asian cultures had it all sussed years ago, yeah. mate. You know, right? We could uh, learn something there. And let's talk about, in closing, some anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, also, we're talking about Eastern culture and whatnot, calm down techniques and, and looking at lifestyle factors on where you can try and reduce anxiety or stress or, or manage those things better um, because we certainly understand... There's people out there with young kids or older kids, um, both mum and dad are working, or there's single parents, different family structures, and it does cause more stress on us of different varieties. So what are the things that we can do to try and help manage that and get by in our day-to-day life? Yeah, and that's one thing we didn't even talk about was the cognitive approach. You know, the I mean, this I read a really interesting book recently about it, um, and and it was called the Happiness Hypothesis. Really good book, um, and it spoke about um, about our subconscious mind being an elephant and our conscious mind being the writer. And it and it was an interesting thing because it imagine trying to steer an elephant be quite hard and that's mm. what our unconscious mind is if you stay on top of the elephant over a long time and just whack it on the head slightly you might get it to change course a bit and it'll get used to you you know mm. and there's only three ways apparently humans can change that rider um elephant relationship right and yeah. and what other first of all meditation yeah um uh second cognitive behavioral therapy yeah and the third thing is antidepressants, because that will elevate the mood. So interestingly enough, to get control of the rider over the elephant, really it's, and I think, um, what's the, cognitive behavioral therapy has taken uh, another name now, or a, a, more, a more modified name, and it's, uh, what's it called? Where you, mindfulness. Mindfulness. Yeah, okay. so there's a whole mindfulness yep, movement. Yeah, that's a more popular term these days isn't yeah, it? yeah and and it seems if if you want to get control over your elephant you know and get this adrenaline down mm. those three things will do it right um but mindfulness is certainly if that's something to look into it from a cognitive approach uh, and well. i just want to say there as well um there are things you can do on youtube you can download apps i think there's one called smiling minds which you can download onto your phone that 10 to 15 minutes a day. You What's can that about? Uh, so that's a... Is um, it a meditation Yeah, type it's thing? a meditation mindfulness app, um, which I was uh, recommended by the SD Protocol people. Oh, I'm going to make Freddie um, check that out, my son, yeah. Uh, which if you're sitting on the train on the way home from a busy day at work, you can plug it in and switch off for 10 to 15 minutes. So there's easy things you can do. You don't have to sit under a pyramid in the corner for two and a half hours at the end of the day. Yeah, it sounds a bit intangible and hard to reach meditation sometimes. I, 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 think, I think that with meditation, especially when you first started, if you, if you do go down that track, um, 
it's very hard at the start to feel like it's working, but that's a normal part of the process. I think it's like any type of new exercise or activity. In the beginning, it's a bit difficult, but the more you do it, the easier you get. So that's my experience. With yeah, it. totally. And so, mate, what I wanted to finish with is obviously we're chiropractors, right? Yeah. So how does going to see a chiropractor help with this whole cascade of reactions and HPA axis and everything else we've spoken about? Uh, do you want to handle that one for me? How would you say that? Um, well, there's a couple of things. Number one is, in particular, I'd like to say, see a chiropractor who looks at posture. Uh, because we were also mentioning the, the postural things with kids and hunched shoulders and forward head posture. And these sort of postures increase the stress response yep. in the body. Yep. Number one. Number two, they cause tension and stress on your nervous system and the whole point of chiropractic is to help balance nervous system activity and get the system working in balance again and that's where chiropractic comes into it yeah and i would say um in in very basic terms because the the relationship chiropractic has with the nervous system uh, what we do is, is if the, the radio station is just off its station and you can still hear it, but it's a bit fuzzy, mm. by getting regular chiropractic, you can tune that, that station back in so the message is coming from your brain. It's like getting the crystal clear. Yeah, ma- messages let, the messages start to work properly. It's a bit like being on the old AM stations and now having the digital radio connection. <laughs> There's no going back. That's there? a really good analogy, actually. Yeah. So, Matt, I think, you know, once again, I think the timing has been sublime. Is there anything you would be, uh, you want to talk yeah, about? I just want to press, uh, impress that point that you're talking about. Um, if there is nervous system interference anywhere along the chain, it is causing an increased stress response in your body. So, to help balance that and take away that stress to your nervous system, it is vital to see a chiropractor to remove that interference. Yeah, it, it's one of the main stressors that we see that is not commonly, you know, okay. thought of, yeah. you know, in the community. So, uh, and the research is showing, and once again, Heidi Harvick's research is showing that... Oh, the one bit, yeah, sorry, yeah, I just want to jump in there. Yeah. There is recent research saying every time you get adjusted by a chiropractor, it reduces the cortisol levels, which we talked about before, reduces cortisol levels in circulation. Yes. So, mate, uh, I think we've hacked adrenal fatigue. It's been a good experience for me because I feel like I've gotten to understand it even more. Yeah, you've taught me a few things today. Yeah. Well, I I went into depth today because I see it so much in the clinic and you helped me with last time. It wasn't clear in my mind and I wanted to get it uh, crystallized. So I had a better understanding of where patients were at with it. So I think by all means, download this, um, this survey that you can do, this questionnaire that you can do if you, if you, uh, feel like there's patients and if there's patients out there you can grab me at back to life 7 at bigpond.com michael or you can grab dr andrew at back dr leichhardt at gmail.com thank you mate have a great day well, what yeah. are, before we go what do you think we're going to do next time oh gosh you've hit me up on that one come on i, I hadn't thought about that yeah is there anything you'd like to do or anything uh that uh yeah. Maybe we can have a look at the estrogen dominance 
factor which we touched on a bit today. Yeah, that would be an interesting one. We also, that would tie in nicely today. The other one we thought we might do at some stage soon is the funny chiropractic stories. Uh, you know, yarns from chiropractic, stuff that we've seen over 22 years, stuff that's just lighthearted, entertaining, that, you know, from the world of chiropractic and beyond uh, could be just from entertaining, seeing it, seeing things from our point of view at times. Yeah, I look forward to embarrassing myself when I tell some of those stories. (laughs) Oh, mate, you and me both. All right, buddy, thanks for that. Uh, We're wrapping it up and uh, have a good day. Have an awesome week. Bye.